I read something one time. A man said that in, in the days to come, this world's, you know, got a lot of challenges ahead for all of us because, as we said last Sunday, the, uh, the scriptures teach that the world's not going to get better and better. It's going to get worse and worse. But we are going to shine brighter and brighter. There'll be a contrast between the gross darkness that is coming upon this world, the deception, the delusion, the, the, really the perilous times that Paul talked about. And there'll be a light that will be upon those who know him that is a light that is in us, shining out from us. And in that contrast, many will come to believe. Many will see the peace and the joy and the reality that you have inside that is not dependent on what's happening outside. And they will marvel at your peace. And they will marvel at the reality of his love because you'll, you and I will be able to explain that to them in a simple way. I, I text someone the, uh, last week. I said, you know, it's becoming so clear to me. Everything is becoming so clear. I died. I live in God. I am perfect as a new creation. I am loved unconditionally. Heaven is my home. Okay, we'll see you later. It's so awesome. The simplicity, yet the profound reality. The gospel is simple. The work of Christ is simple, but it's so profound. I mean, think about it. Simple, but profound. We're saying that I died. I was crucified with Christ. The old man died. Yet I live. But I live. My life is now hidden with Christ inside of God. I am complete and perfect, a new creation, holy, blameless, without spot, without wrinkle, as this awesome new creation. And I'm loved unconditionally 24-7. Constantly loved. His beloved son, his beloved daughter. And heaven is my home. Because I'm from heaven. I love saying this to people. It kind of shocks them. But I say, you know, the only people going to heaven are the people that are from heaven. We said that at, at the, the memorial. The only people that are from heaven, I mean, the, the only people that go to heaven are the people that are from heaven. And you think about that. Wow. What does that mean? Only those who are born from above go above. Jesus said, they who are born of the Spirit are like the wind. The people, people don't realize where the wind is coming from, nor where it's going. The people of the world don't know where you're from, and they don't know where you're going. You once were from below, Jesus said, but you're now from above. You're from there. Paul said, your mother is New Jerusalem above. Your mother, your origin, where you're from, is above. So you're not trying to, we're not trying to get 
good enough to go back to heaven or, or go to heaven. We're not trying to get good enough to go to heaven. We're going home. That's good. Isn't that awesome? Yes. I mean, if you're from there, you will be back there. Once a king in Nornia, always a king in Nornia. It's awesome. See, it's not a matter of, of good deeds and performance. It's a matter of birth. Were you born there? Then you are a son. And if a son, then an heir. Union with Christ is the hope of our glory, not our performance. Christ in me, the hope of glory. Christ in me, the hope of glory. Union with him. Because I'm born of him. He in me and I in him. It's awesome. Paul, John wrote that letter, his letter. He said, we write these things that you may know that you have eternal life. Some people say you start the Christian life with God and, and then God helps you. And if you obey enough and if you bear enough fruit and so forth, then yes, then you'll be considered worthy of heaven. Well, that concept, which I lived under for years, gives you no assurance that you now have eternal life. But when you see how the apostles really taught, this awesome reality of death and resurrection, not performance, of a birth from above, of a, another origin, once from below, but now from above, once of Adam, but now of Christ. Once of the Adamic race, now from a different race, so to speak. The race of the sons and daughters of God. A holy nation. A royal priesthood. Walking on the earth, but not of the earth. Not from the earth. In the world, but not of the world, Jesus said, anymore. The only people that go to heaven are those who are from heaven. You're from heaven. Amen. You shall return. To the place of your origin. Amen. <laughs> it's so awesome. Simple but very profound. It changes everything. Changes everything. Lord, we just ask you to help us see these unseen realities. It is our meat and our drink. It is what the children of God feed on. We feed on Christ, Christ our life. Lord Jesus, I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would teach us and you would open our minds to things that are not of men, but of God. Help us see, Lord, things that are true and faithful. <coughs> Help us look not on that which is seen, but that which is unseen. For that which is seen is temporary, but that which is unseen is eternal. Prepare us, Lord, for what's coming as the world comes to a close. And a new world, a new earth, and a new heaven opens up. Help us to be the lights, the lighthouses on the rocks to help others see and help others come into safe harbor. Help us be a witness of the invisible kingdom, the invisible kingdom, the unseen realm. 
thank you, Father, for the simplicity of it all. The simplicity of it all. Christ, our life. To live is Christ. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Amen. I want to ask you if you guys, if anybody has a. We've been talking about a lot of things, and if you hadn't, if you didn't get a chance to hear last Sunday's message, really want to encourage you to listen to that. It's on the website. Um, we talked about how looking at the unseen reality is the key to living in a in a in a messed up world. Jesus said, "In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world." And some people teach that you're supposed to have enough faith to create your own environment around you so that you have no problems and no troubles and no and that's just not true, it's not reality. Jesus clearly said, "In the world you shall have trouble." It's a fallen world that doesn't know God, doesn't love God, and doesn't want doesn't love you because you belong to God. Jesus said that uh, men will persecute you and, and reject you and even kill you because they know not me nor my Father. That's not exactly a description of a wonderful world. But when you have the truth and you realize, hey, this is, this is supposed to happen. Peter said to the Christians, think it not strange, this fiery trial they're going through. Think it not strange. Think it not a strange thing. If you think it's a strange thing, it will cause you to be disturbed and troubled. But when you see, hey, I'm not supposed to be, think this is a strange thing that the world hates me because I don't belong to the world. But the good news is that we can be of good cheer. We can be full of joy. Jesus said, I leave my joy with you. Not as the world gives. I give you my joy. I leave my peace with you. Not as the world gives, but my peace. So that in the midst of the storms of life, we can have that reality inside of us. I read something a while back where a man said that the, the Christian of the, of the 21st century will be a mystic or he will not be a Christian at all. What that means, saints, is that the Christian of the 21st century, as we approach the end of this age, as things really get rough everywhere, it's coming. It was prophesied to come. It's coming. As a woman in, in labor pains gets faster and faster and the pains get faster. But there's something wonderful coming at the end of that. A new life. A new birth. But what this statement means, saints, is that the, we're not going to be able to just cope. We're not going to be able to cope or make it in terms of, of uh, really finish our journey with joy if all we really have is doctrine. If really all we have is just knowledge of grace and knowledge of new, new covenant and knowledge of forgiveness and knowledge of, of these awesome truths. No, what we need is an experiential, personal intimacy with Jesus himself. Within. Not far off in the heavens. Within. That's... What I mean by mystic. A person who is not just living his Christian life from the head with knowledge of 
grace, life, new covenant. Okay, I think I got this together now. This, that's law. That's grace. You know, that's awesome. That's how the seeds are planted. But it's all leading to something. It's leading to someone. The scripture says the, light, the word of God is a light into our path, a lamp into our feet, implying it brings us somewhere. There are a lot of Christians who really have, they, they don't really know how to just be quiet and still and hear him and just be with him. They, more have, they really have more of a relationship with the book than with him. There's a lot of believers that have this approach to God, like I got to get my Bible out, which is not bad, of course, but I got to get my Bible out. And this is my relationship really is with the book. Jesus said, you search this book and you think in this book you have life, but it speaks of me and you won't come to me that you might have life. It's a difference. It's a huge difference. Truth leads us to him. Truth does not just leave us at truth. Truth leads us to him. And it's so vital that we really realize that he wants the simplicity of a friendship. He was Abraham's friend. When, when you guys get a chance, ask Steve Abair about a story he told me about what this miraculous thing that happened to him in his backyard. It's about the story of Steve and a tree. <laughs> awesome story. You ought to write it down, put it on the website. It's so beautiful. Or ask Rita how when she takes walks, what happens with him. It's awesome. It's a reality that he wants us to have because... He said, Lo, I am with you always. I am with you always, even until the end of the world. And that's our strength. He himself is our strength. When he called the apostles, I love this, this I think it's in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 3. It could be chapter 4, but I think it's chapter 3. When he first called the apostles, and it shows he, they named the names of the apostles when he called them to his side. To his side. I love this phrase. It says, he called them to be with him. First thing. He called them to be with him and to preach and to go heal and so forth. But the first thing he called them to do, to do, was to be simply with him. I love that. You know, that's the only message I got to preach before my dad passed away. My dad heard me preach only one time. And I preached that. With him. He called him to be with him. Just to watch him. To walk with him. To listen. To behold him. Jesus said, you know, Martha was very busy, busy, busy about different things. And, but Mary sat at his feet and Jesus said Martha, Martha you're troubled about so many things and I love the way Jesus said this he said only a few things are needful really only one I love what he said he, he, he said only a few things are really needful really only one 
And Mary has chosen the one thing. The one thing. What was the one thing that Mary chose? Him. He chose him. He chose, she chose to be with him. To sit at his feet. To rest. To look into his eyes. To hear his voice. Just to be with him. She chose the one thing. That's pretty cool. The God of the universe tells us there's only one thing needed to live this life. And it's really just to be with him. As Clark says so often, be good receivers. We're to be good receivers. You know, we can't give, any, we can't give until we first have. We can only give what we have. It's not unselfish for you to first take care of your own spiritual life before you try to take care of your friends and the church and, and the world. It's not unselfish. It's, it's just truth. It's reality. Because you can only give what you have. And if you run out there and try to help people and minister to people without first being ministered to yourself, you'll just burn out. You know, there was, there was a man who was in battle in a war and... And David was waiting for word of how the battle was going. And, and the man left and ran and ran and ran and ran and ran. Came up to King David and he said, he said, uh, I forget the exact message he gave, but it wasn't accurate. Because he left too soon. The battle wasn't over yet. And then he, David said, there's another man coming. There's, there was another man behind him running, running to give the king the message of the battle. And David said to the man who came to quickly, he said, stand aside, sit aside. See, he couldn't help King David because he didn't really wait and receive what he needed to receive before he could give it. The second runner came up and gave the message, and it was what David needed to hear. It's so important. Even when we fly on an airplane, the airline attendant says, in case there's a problem, you know, the, the gas, the, the oxygen mask will fall down and they hold them up in front of you and they look this. You know. uh, remember to put the mask on your, yourself first before your children. Otherwise, you will go unconscious trying to help your children and then you won't be able to help anybody. Same truth. Take care of yourself so you can take care of others. And if we don't do that, then actually what we do in our attempt to help others, it's not life. Sometimes it's not really him. You know, it's like Jesus told the Pharisees, he said, you're so obsessed with these, these specks you see in other people's eyes. You don't see the log in your own eye. Now, this is not talking about a believer. It's talking about really legalistic thinking, the legalistic thinking. He said, remove the log out of your own eye first, and then you can see clearly to help someone get the speck out of their own eye. And then he said, he talked about a tree being good or a tree being evil. He goes, an evil tree is going to bear evil fruit. You've got to make the tree good, Pharisee. You can't just give laws to people and expect them to be better and be obsessed with sin and be obsessed with, with, with trying to, to correct everybody around you and be obsessed with being the righteousness police. You've got to, get, you've got to give them life. You've got to make the tree good. In other words... 
You've got to preach Jesus so that they can be born again, that they might, become, they might be made new and alive from heaven. Because a good tree will bear good fruit. So the log in the Pharisee's eye was this thinking that you can fix flesh. So if you think you can fix flesh, you will gouge out the eyes as you're trying to help somebody. But if you see you can't fix flesh, if you can look at a man who uh, look at a, a woman who's had five divorces, if you can look at a woman who, who has, has had five divorces and who is living with a man now who is not her husband, and look past all of that and say, oh, woman, it's not about you. It's not about your performance. It's not about how good you can be. It's not about fixing your flesh. But if you only knew who I was, woman, I would give you water to drink and you would never thirst again. See, I love that song. He looked beyond my faults and saw my need. It's exactly what God does. He looks past all our faults and sees our need of him. So as we, you know, get that thinking out of our, our minds and we get the log out of our eye, then we realize, no, the only way I can help someone is not really try to fix them. I can get specks, little specks out of their eye, which God is not that concerned about, really. Not really. He's more concerned about what, whether they believe on him or not, whether they trust him or not. So if I see this new way of ministering the spirit of life instead of the letter of death, then those specks will disappear and their eyes will be clear because Christ will be in them as a new creation. So cool. One thing is needful. I feel like this is speaking to a lot of people just to encourage you to, you know, as we are learning so many awesome riches of grace and new covenant realities, let all these things that he is teaching us lead us to him. And to take care of yourself. Take care of yourself. I have to tell myself that all the time. Take care of yourself in terms of, you know, running crazy, whether it's, you know, teaching or soccer or basketball, work, whatever. Take care of yourself. Take time. It's amazing what can happen with these awesome truths. It's amazing now how prayer under grace is completely different from prayer under law. <laughs> completely different. And sometimes we forget that the way I used to pray... It's not going to be that way anymore. So the way I used to pray was maybe boring or um, didn't see much fruit from it, thought it was a waste of time. I can do more by just studying the scripture, get more knowledge. I mean, what's this stuff about being still and quiet? See, prayer under law makes you think stuff like that because prayer under law says stuff like, you know, first of all, you need to confess all your sins up to date before you can approach God or you have to pray through some brass ceiling. <laughs> you have to, to uh, do whatever, do, 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 to earn God's attention. But prayer under grace, it becomes abundantly clear that we have an open heaven 24-7. And we have union, union with Him 24-7. That he, he waits for us to wake up in the morning so he can bless us. He waits for us to just glance at him in the morning. 
He waits for, like Song of Solomon says, he, he waited for his bride just to, one glance of your eyes causes my heart to be faster. That's Song of Solomon. That's God. A bridegroom who cherishes and nourishes his bride. Ephesians 5. Christ cherishes you and nourishes you. It's awesome. So as we're seeing all these these incredible truths, more than anything, he just wants to be with you, which is crazy. This is crazy love. It's crazy love. This is crazy love. This is abundant grace. He lavished his grace upon us. He wants to be with us. It's not that he's, see, it's not even this. It's not even that he's called you to be with him. You must make this a top priority to be with me. No, it's not even that. It's like, he wants to be with you. He wants to be with me. And that's mind-boggling. And of course, when you feel that, you want to be with him. You know, that's, it's, he said it was, it's expedient that I go away because if I don't go away, then I can't be with millions. I can only be with this handful in Israel right now. But if I accomplish the work that I've been sent to accomplish, the Spirit will come and I will be with millions. Millions. One thing needful. Remember, saints, we must be mystics in the good sense of that word. We must be people of the unseen. We must be people of the experiential reality of Christ within. Such as I have, I give to you, Peter said. And they raised him up and they walked. Such as I have, substance, not doctrine. Not just doctrine. Doctrine's a good thing. It's truth. But substance. When Peter walked, they would lay the sick to the side so his shadow would touch it because there was substance there. He wasn't teaching them about healing. He wasn't preaching. He wasn't calling them to believe anything. There was something in his body. Presence. Presence was in his body. Such that they would lay the sick on the side that his shadow would just touch them and they would be healed. That's what you have now. You have that now. You have presence. His presence. Know ye not, Paul said, you are the temple of the holy presence. See, this is what becomes real when we, when we see him, when we hear from him, and we, we go beyond just truth and knowledge to him. Presence. And then, you know what? It is so easy to be still, so easy to be quiet, so easy to take walks, so easy to just lay in bed as the sun is coming through your window and remember him and glance at him. So easy to walk out in your driveway to to move the car into the garage and look up and see the stars. And not come back in the house for 10 or 15 minutes because you're 
So easy. So easy. Because the presence, Him, reality, leading us, teaching us, talking to us, comforting us. In the world we, have, we shall have tribulation, but we can be of good cheer, for He has overcome the world. I go to prepare a place for you, He said. I love this way Jesus said this. He said, if it were not so, I would have told you. He doesn't embellish anything. When he says it, it's real. He doesn't embellish anything. He doesn't make things up. He goes, if it were not so, I would have told you. I would have told you. I would have given you the inside information because you're with me. But I go to prepare a place for you. And after a little while, three days later, after a little while, I'm going to come back. And the world's going to rejoice for about three days and be happy that I'm gone. And you're going to be very sad. But you're going to see me again in about three days. And in that day, when I finish my work, you will then know that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. And now you are in me. And I am in you. That's the place. In my father's house, there are many dwelling places. I am the true house that is raised up in three days. You have become the living stones of this house, dwelling place of God. I have done it. If it were not so, I would have told you. And why did he do this? That where I am, you may be also. I want to be with you. I want you to be with me. That where I am, you may be also. The one thing he said to the thief on the cross that sums up his whole desire when the thief simply said, remember me, Lord, when you come into your kingdom. A thief who was nailed to a tree and who couldn't do one good thing, couldn't even be baptized, couldn't join a church, couldn't do anything. Didn't even pray the prayer right. <laughs> Just remember me, Lord, when you come into your kingdom. And the one thing Jesus said, which sums up his desire for you and me. This day, you will be with me in paradise. Awesome. Lord, thank you so much. Thank you for this reality. That's your heart. Thank you for the truth you've given us that leads us to you. A light unto our path, a lamp unto our feet. The scripture is not an end to itself, but a means to an end. All scripture speaks of you. Thank you, Lord, that you draw us 
to run with you, to glance at you, to hear you. Thank you, Lord, that you're teaching us the one thing that is needful. The one thing. And lo, I shall be with you all the days, even until the end of the world. I love you with an everlasting love. And with loving kindness, I have drawn you to myself. To myself.